Thank you, ladies. Would you turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2? We'll be reading verses 1, and I'm going to add three verses, verse 13. Please follow along. It's also going to be up on the screen as well. Please, let's give attention to God's word together today as we continue our studies in 2 Timothy. Essentials for disciples, strong in grace. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Let's pray together. Lord God, this is your word, and we ask you to speak to us, both to our minds, because we need to understand, and to our hearts, to our souls, because we want this knowledge to move us to love and obedience to our Lord and Savior. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do this, to make it so in our lives today, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're doing a quick run-through, jog through the book of 2 Timothy together, uh, looking at some essentials for disciples. Uh, this study isn't going to cover it all, but I hope you'll get a taste for what's in 2 Timothy and pursue a little bit more yourselves. My hope is that as we know God's gospel, the good news of Christ, which is God's forgiving mercy that cleanses anyone who believes in Christ as their Savior, that it cleanses us from all the guilt of our sin, that it will lead us to belief and then obedience because we understand and know what Christ has done for us. It will lead us to action so that we will be strong in God's grace and pursue passing on the gospel to others who will pass it on to others. Looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'd like to read verse 1 again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, just to follow through uh, how Paul's thinking here, there's a connection here. You then is pointing back to chapter 1. And last week we did a quick survey of some of the grace that God had given Timothy to make him strong. You may have noticed in the bulletin, uh, maybe you didn't but it doesn't matter. Uh, I chose the 
ESV version, the English Standard Version, just for the verse in the, in the bulletin, because it says, you then my child. And that's what the word is here. And I like it because it's more inclusive. Timothy was a son, so a boy, so it's inferred he was a man, so it's inferred that he was a son. You then my son. But it's really you then my child. So it's an endearing word. It includes all of us. And the you is emphatic. You then, you see, Paul had just been talking about himself and his faith and how he had entrusted his life to Christ. He'd been talking about Figilus and Homogenes who had kind of deserted Paul. We don't think they deserted the faith, but they, at least they deserted him and kind of abandoned him in his time of need, and that hurt a lot. He was talking about them, and then he was talking about Onesiphorus, that he was a good example of someone who pursued looking for Paul even when Paul was in prison, and it was probably dangerous to identify yourself with an enemy of Rome. Paul was being persecuted and in prison and going to lose his life for preaching the gospel would have been dangerous, but his friend went anyway to find him, to be identified with the gospel, with Christ and Paul. And he's saying, you then, Timothy, because of all the grace God's given you, you've been called like I've been called. You, you, you have the faith. And it's been mentioned already. Yeah, Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice's mom, Thanks, Mom, for passing on the faith to Timothy. Thank you for being faithful. You know what? They weren't perfect women. <laughs> Paul doesn't go into that. He was smart. <laughs> he just wanted to highlight the highlights. The important things were that they passed on their faith, and they were examples to Timothy, like Paul was to Timothy. He says, you have the faith. Grace has given you a calling. You're called by God before the world was made. He called you. He knew you. He called you, Timothy. Now fan into flame the gifts, this faith that you have, and use it to spread the gospel. We have that same grace. So we can be strong in that grace, all those gifts. Strong in grace so that we are able to be partners in disciple-making. Look at verse 2. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Relationship, relationship, relationship. You, my child, intimacy, relationship. The things you've heard me say... Timothy only heard what Paul said was because he was near Paul, close to Paul, walking with Paul, serving with Paul. They were friends together. So there's relationship here in this mentoring, this discipleship progress. And the things you've heard me say, entrust to reliable men, to competent men who are qualified, competent to pass it on to others. That word entrust is the same root word that Paul used in chapter 1, verse 12. And I know whom I believed and I entrusted my life into Christ's hands. Same word. Timothy, you've been given, you've been told to guard the good deposit. Same root word there for entrust. You've been entrusted with the truth. This gospel is serious business. Just so you know, there's five people involved in this four transactions. God or Jesus Christ giving Paul the good news 
and Paul giving it to Timothy, that's number three, and Timothy giving it to reliable men, that's number four, who pass it on to other inferred, reliable, competent people. Five generations of believers represented in that one short verse. I want to take a break. Susie Jang is not going to be here next week. She's graduating, has graduated from Haverford College. She can't be here because she's going to be on a flight back to China. And I just thought it'd be great to be encouraged by a, a word of thanks from her. Susie, come on up. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Susie. I'm a senior at Harvard College. I'm graduating in less than a week. I'm so grateful to have this chance to give my thanks to Grace Chapel. I became a Christian at 10 years old, but it is after I came to the United States that my faith in Christ has experienced tremendous growth, and I have you guys to thank for it. Fall of 2015, I transferred to Harvard College. With the love of God, I came to know Grace Chapel through a friend. And ever since then, I come to this church every Sunday, attending the International Student Bible Study classes and then the service. In the past three years, God has blessed me with so many challenges and trials so I can grow to be a person that he wants me to be. It can get hard in many times, and actually a lot of times. But it is so true that God would not give us a burden that's so heavy that we won't be able to handle. In my case, he brought me to Grace Chapel to know John and Patty. Quite frankly, I wouldn't be able to stand here and graduate in less than a week without their love and guidance. God has challenged me in all kinds of aspects in my college life, but John and Patty are there by my side every step I take. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable in front of them, confessing my sins and sharing my troubles and mistakes because I know all I can get from them is prayer and love. I learned how to overcome, for example, my addiction to TV series, how to not compare myself with my peers but focusing on my own growth, and how to manage my emotions in tricky situations. These are incredible lessons for a 21-year-old, and I'm extremely grateful for all those lessons I learned. But I could have not done any of those without the spiritual guidance from John and Patty and from the help I get from Grace Chapel and an international student Bible study class. I would also like to get, um, give thanks to Karen and John Alcock. They, gener uh, they generously invited me to their home when I needed a place to stay. And the whole family showed me through their action how wonderful it is to build a Christian family. Grace Chapel, you've given me so much in the past three years, and I'll be going back to Shanghai, and it's very painful for, for me to live here. But no matter how, how old I'll become and no matter how far I'll travel, you guys will always be part of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sue. Amen. Be encouraged. Even if you missed out on knowing her, you had a little part in it, right? You supported the ministry in prayer, said hi. But let me use that example. Susie, thank you for wanting to share because it, it fit in with my sermon, right? This whole, 
I knew it would. <laughs> I made it work. Be encouraged about you can be a disciple maker. Let this expand our vision for what God might want us to do, not only in international student ministry, but with the people that already live here, our Native Americans, whatever we want to call us in our community, wherever communities you live, where you work. Well, be encouraged. Let it inspire us to greater diligence. Look for mentors. No matter how old you are in Christ, and notice that's a plural, look for mentors, disciple makers. Because one person can't do it all for you. (laughs) You have too many things you need fixed. Me too. (laughs) We need one another. That's why God made us a body. No matter your spiritual age, look for someone who's more mature than you in some area of their walk with Christ and hang out with them and learn from them just a little bit more. Take advantage of those long-distance mentors. You know all the heroes that you hear on the radio? The people who write those really good books, love them. Depend on them, but don't depend on them too much because I want you to know We idolize them too much and they fall. If you were to hang out with them in their everyday life, you might find out they're not such good husbands. (laughs) Or they don't treat their kids as nice as you think they ought to. Or they work too much. Or they have gaps. They have editors (laughs) uh, that help with their books. And people who dub out pronunciations that they said wrong in their messages and they've said them a hundred times. Find a mentor that's close, that's living life where you are living life, but they're on a higher plane. If you don't know how to pray well, get connected with someone that you know prays like incredibly and you see their prayers get answered. They have a connection. Learn to pray with them. And don't make it a forever thing. It doesn't have to be a lifetime thing. It's a, Help me grow, and when I get to a point, then pass it along. But find a mentor and be involved in mentoring. And there's somebody out there right now saying, but I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a good speaker. How can I mentor someone? No, 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 no. It takes a team to mentor. Paul wasn't Timothy's only discipler. He had other companions that was helping him work and grow in the faith. We all teach somebody, good or bad, right? We've all done it with kids or nieces or nephews or friends. They, your friends lean on you, so grow in holiness and God's grace. Use your spiritual gift to help people who teach well, so pray for them. You know, we pray for our missionaries, but you know this. Directors of youth ministry really need prayer. That's me. So do all the other ministry leaders, the worship team leaders, you know, the women's ministries leaders, and it goes on and on. But the thing is, it doesn't end here, does it? Teachers that are out there need prayer. And so do laborers in the workforce and people who own their own businesses. We all need prayer to be better, better at living and walking with Christ. Jesus has gifted you and me to be a part of making disciples. And I just want to say, as Paul was encouraging Timothy, be a part of it some 
form or fashion, sharing the load with other people who teach well or pray well or counsel well, be a part of it, use your gifts of mercy and kindness, whatever it is, to help one another. We don't have to do it alone. You have a neighbor you'd like to reach? Then why not to get together and pray with your friends who also have neighbors they'd like to reach and hold one another accountable? How's it going with so-and-so? Have you had that chance to talk with her yet? Oh, I had the opportunity and I blew it. Well, let's pray about that, that you'll have the courage next time to speak or God will make it apparent. I need to move on. <laughs> Strong in grace because God's given us so much so that we can make other disciples. We can be a part of the process. Strong in God's Christ's grace to serve well. In verses 3 through 7, Paul goes on to say, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Be a good athlete. I'm editing. <laughs> he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive his crops. It's interesting. Paul has, he loves triplets. He says, be strong my child, entrust to reliable people. Now he asks him to endure. And he gives us four pictures, and the first is a child. I skip back a little bit, but here's a picture. Timothy, you're a child of Lois and Eunice. You're a chip off the old block. I am a chip off the old block of my parents, Paul and Twyla. Just ask Leslie sometimes. She'll give you the news about that. The apple did not far fall from the tree. But we're also chips off the new block. If you're a child of Jesus Christ, a believer or a follower of him today, then you have a new, nation, a new nature. You're made in Christ's image. You have a new position as a child of God. You have new priorities because you have a new thinking process that shows you what's really valuable. You have new God-given power through the grace and gifts of God to do his work. You can be a disciple maker. So you're a child, and the second picture is you're also a soldier. And soldiers can't be distracted. They have to be committed to their commander and obey the voice of their commander. You know those guards in London? They are now actually on the inside of the gate, but they used to stand there and tourists would come up to them. You know, the guys with the big black fuzzy hats. And they would harass them and do all kinds of things. And they weren't allowed to budge. They weren't supposed to smile. But they were actually real soldiers, by the way. <laughs> They're to guard the palace. So they couldn't let those distractions keep them away from their duty. That's the kind of soldiers we need to be for Christ. Not distracted, not diverted. Defending the gospel. Third picture is that of an athlete. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul had referred to athletes again and how they need to compete and the, how they compete and win the prizes that they have to train train well to 
to get the Olympic gold, so to speak. And here he's focusing more on they need to obey the rules. What's one of the rules that you and I need to obey from God if we're going to be good athletes for him? Live by faith and not by sight. Depend on God and not ourselves. To hear God's word and then to do it, to show that we really believe it rather than grieving the spirit. And the fourth picture is to serve well as a farmer. Farming is such hard work. It never ends, but it has wonderful rewards. And Paul says, reflect on this, Timothy. Be like a farmer who plants, and then they have to wait on God to send the sunshine and the rain, totally dependent. We have moved many times, and we have trees that we've planted on Long Island and in Muncie, Pennsylvania, and we hardly, we don't get to bask in the shade. Is that what you do in the shade, bask in it? Sometimes you plant and you don't get to see the fruit. You don't get to experience the beauty of what you've planted. It it happens later on because you're gone or you've moved away, but God's at work. you got to be like a farmer and trust that as you sow the seed, God's going to do something with it. You see, God has enriched us with so much through faith in Christ. And we forget that it's true. But we can make disciples, and we can serve well, and we are strong in grace, the grace that God gives us so that we're able to endure. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. People, we have the grace that God's given us to remember Christ's victory over sin. Why does Paul sum up the gospel in just this short sentence? Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Because when you think about Jesus Christ, his name, Jesus is his earthly name. He's the promised one, the one talked about in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, the the one promised seed that would come to rescue humanity from sin. So he mentions his earthly name. He mentions Christ because that's his title of Christ or Messiah, the promised one. He's the promised king through the line of David, this Old Testament string of, of promises. It reminds us that he was descended from David. He was raised from the dead, which reminds us that he suffered that his death was planned. You don't get raised from the dead unless you die. So he really died and he was raised from the dead. And it was prophesied. It was prophesied about. In Isaiah 53, we hear the gospel. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So remember Jesus Christ because he was pierced because of your sins and shortcomings and failures and turning away from God. He was crushed for our iniquities. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. He took it on himself. He became a guilt offering 
and then he will see his offspring and prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. This is our gospel. So remember Jesus Christ. When you get tired of life, when things are difficult, remember who Jesus Christ is, the promised one, the suffering one who paid the price for our sins, and he's the glorified one, the one raised from the dead, proving that he's king and Lord of all. This is Paul's gospel. This is our gospel. So we can endure because we know who our Savior is. And secondly, we can endure because the gospel's unstoppable. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Do you ever feel like God's word's chained today, at least where you live? That it's ineffective? Don't believe it. Paul was in chains and going nowhere. As a matter of fact, he was going to be put to death probably very soon. But the gospel was not changed. The gospel will prevail. It overcomes everything that's dark and evil and unsure in our world. The kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. You ever picture Jesus that way? Laughing at people? Scoffing at unbelief? Does that shock you at all? Sometimes I think we forget who Jesus is. He's so patient and kind and forgiving and gracious. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That we think there's no recompense. There's not going to be any judgment made by him. But he says he laughs and he scorns those who do not believe. Fear the Lord and humble ourselves before him and we will find life. We can endure. We are strong in grace for the sake of others to believe. Verse 9, for that which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not changed, chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Who are the elect? That's not the concern of the passage. The concern of the passage here is that we go and tell the gospel to the not yet Christians who are out there that God is going to save. I don't know who they are. Do you know who they are? I don't know who they are. But we are to go and spread the word. You know, there's a parallel passage in Romans. How can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And God's sent ones are you know who, right? Us. I was reading uh, lately in the book of Acts, and I love the passage where Stephen, in his sermon, just before he gets stoned to death, does a quick summary of Moses' ministry. And in, in Acts chapter, chapter 7, 
he says this about Moses. And Moses met God. Uh, God met Moses. Let me get it the right order. God met Moses at a burning bush. And they had a conversation. And here's what uh, Stephen said. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, Moses. The place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed, indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. That's great. I can just hear myself with Moses saying, that's right, God, you go. I mean, you've seen it. You've heard. You've come down to deliver your people. Go, God. But God doesn't stop there. I will send you back to Egypt. And if you know the account, you can read it in Exodus 3 and 4. Moses had a, a long discussion with God about why he shouldn't go. God saves. God raises up people. God has people right here, right on your street that he knows might believe. We don't know, but he knows. And we're the sent one. You're the voice that's going to tell, that's going to speak about their kids, about their job, about how lousy the politics are, about taxes, about who won the game, where you're still talking about the Eagles, Philadelphia, whatever it is, but somewhere in there, build a relationship so the gospel of hope can be heard. We are the ones who are sent to tell Christ's good news, that salvation is available through belief in him, that sins can be taken away and new life given. Strong in grace to endure for what is certain. Back in 2 Timothy, we read what is probably an early Christian hymn. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is a beautiful Hebrew parallelism poem, probably a hymn, like I said. Two positives, two negatives. If we died with Christ, we will live with Christ. It's talking about spiritual death. In the book of Romans, we read of, uh, about um, spiritual death. If we believe in Christ, then we're put into Christ, and his life is in us, and we are in Christ. That means that we died with him. And if we died with him to sin, that means we'll also be raised to life like he was resurrected to life. That's the baptism that the Holy Spirit moves us into Christ when we believe in him and we receive him. When we believe in him and receive him, we follow Christ. By losing our lives, we gain life. If we died with Christ, if we believe in him, if we receive him, then we are identified with Christ. We are in Christ and we will live with him. If we endure with Christ or for Christ, we will reign with him. But then it says, if we disown him, he will also disown us. If we deny Jesus, 
he will deny us. And that word denies a strong word. It's like I'm saying, I want nothing to do with Jesus forever. I want nothing to do with him forever. It's what the crowd said when they said, away with him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. But there's hope. Look at verse 13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself or disown his own. It's like Peter's denial. He was faithless, but Jesus held on to him. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon. Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. <laughs> it's Samson's foolishness, gifted by God, strong man, delivered Israel from the Philistines, and yet he was so foolish because he was driven by his passions, and yet God never let go of him. It's like Lot, who was a man of faith, but he chose to put his tents facing Sodom and Gomorrah, which many was kind of like eh, leaning toward that way of life and the values of the world, and yet God never let go of him and delivered him from judgment there. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. We sang it already this morning. I have given them eternal life, Jesus says, and they shall never perish, no one can snatch them or pluck them out of my hand. Children of God, because of God's grace, we can be steadfast and courageous. We can be bold, not fearful. We have grace to be strong, to be partners with others, to make disciples. We have grace to serve well as farmers and athletes and soldiers and children children of God. We have grace to endure because of who Jesus is, because of what he's accomplished on the cross, because the gospel is never changed. It has power over death and hell because others will be saved if we endure and are faithful, because if we endure, we will reign. Let me just close with this. Don't you love those words? Let me close with this. Pastors and teachers and Sunday school teachers and everyone who does that, we have this dream. We have this dream that someone's going to hear something from God's word and they're going to say, wow, that gave me a thing or two to think about. And then they go home and you know what they do? They actually think about it. <laughs> and then in their thinking, they they say back to God what, what they've learned or what they've been challenged about. And they, they talk to God about it and they say, I, I need to understand this more. And then they not only say back to God what they've learned or, or thinking about what was challenging them, but then they share it with a friend what God's been teaching them or, or the questions that, it, that it's raised. And, and they talk with other friends who, who worry about that. And you know what that's called? That's called discipleship. That's called mentoring and helping and encouraging one another on in the faith. It just happens. You know, we, we, we have this dream that, that that'll happen. 
And I know that's God's dream because he's given us his word to help us find the way (laughs) to stop and to start and to go this way to make disciples wherever we are because we are strong in God's grace given us through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father and God, we ask you to take your word and use it in our lives to mold and shape us into humble children, hardworking farmers, playing by the rule athletes, and dedicated, enduring soldiers. Let it be so, so that the world can hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.